this, Lord. We thank you that you, you are busy building your house, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that there is already a firm foundation. And that is you, Christ. That is you, Jesus. And we want to build on that rock and that rock alone. So right now, Father, if, if we are not building on that rock, Lord, come speak to us. Come speak to us. Amen. Thank you, guys. That was amazing. So this is only my second week back after leave. And uh, um, last week, Sunday, when, when we went to church, it was our first week, first Sunday actually back at church after three weeks of not being um, with you guys as, uh, as a church. And, and uh, I went to the front not knowing what's going to happen. And Kevin was like, oh, you're leading and preaching next week. And I was like, oh. And uh, I, I had nothing on my heart. This whole week I had nothing on my heart. And I went with coffee with, with Damon. And, and we were sitting at Vida. And, and I told him, listen, uh, I need to share a message, but I don't know what. And he's like, no, don't worry, Papa also needs to plan a message. And I heard yesterday from his mom that he, he went to, to his dad. And he's like, yeah, why are you stressing? Um, Shaw's not stressing about his preach. He's <laughs> meanwhile back in like, you know, the duck swimming in the lake on the top. They look perfectly still but underneath their feet are going crazy that's kind of how i went the whole week uh, i looked cool calm and collected like always but uh I, deep down inside i was i was freaking out um until i started thinking back about what happened at youth and what did we do uh the first friday night back thank you jenna um we're gonna use that a bit later in koskakulu bye bye donkey um so <clears throat> Uh, our first week back at youth, we, we decided we're going to do the foundations uh, course that 412 sent out, the start year course. And we, we started at the end because during the holidays, we felt that the teens must do all, all of them themselves. So we did the last one. And the last one speaks about the ABCs of Christianity. Okay, it's the foundations of being in Christ. And uh, I was like, okay, this, this is going to be great. Okay, the church is busy with a Haggai. We're building the Lord's house. So, great. Uh, what better way to build than on the foundations that's like in front of us? And we started with A, which is abide, and we didn't go to B or C, which is belong or contribute. Because when we started with abide, we found out that there's so few of us that's actually doing the A, which is abiding, and it's being in the Lord. So, Luca, if you maybe want to put up that, that scripture for us, um, abide. It's the very last slide. This is our verse for the youth for this year. And it's uh, John 15, verse 4 to 11. <clears throat> I got you, I got you. Spots for the work. Great. <laughs> the best I can do. I'm sorry. And it speaks of, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. And uh, the, to title today's message, I want to I say, building God's house, God's way. Um, before we, we, I titled it that, I added actually, if God's not building his house, it's just an house. 
And that's where I want to start today. I believe God is building his house, but we need the most important ingredient, which is him. A couple of years ago, when I just joined Josh Jane, we had a guy in our, co- in our community named Sean Skinner, and he worked for a media, like media place there close to Stellenberg. And what, what, what he did was he traveled around people, and he, video, he was a videographer and a photographer, and he took photos and videos of them as they expressed their Christian faith in different cultures. And one of the cultures he, he had the privilege of uh, um, doing was the Maori culture and the way they express their faith in Christianity. And I feel for today, this is going to be something, a key for us. And it's that breath of life. So what they will do is, uh, and there's going to be a photo up soon, what they will do is they, they will take one another's hands, they will pull one another in, and they would have nose to nose, and they would just breathe. And that's a way they would greet one another. Now, we're not going to do that. Um, clearly, not the season to do that. Uh, if it was a couple of months ago, definitely not the season to do that. But there's something beautiful about this picture for me. There's something beautiful about what God wants to do with us today. And he wants to take us by the hand, pull us close, and have us nose to nose with him and breathe life. Yahweh, breath. Our first key to building God's house, God's way, is God. It all started off with, as I said, abide. And if we're not breathing the air that he's giving, what are we building? So Kevin spoke last week a prophetic picture, and all of this will make a beautiful picture at the end. I promise. I just trust it's getting there. But Kevin spoke about uh, some things that, that... um, we read in the book of Haggai that, that stopped the people from building the temple. And the first thing he, he spoke about was the complacency of people. Now, when I spoke to the youth, I asked them, so who had time to spend with God? And all of them were like, whoo, yeah, because it was holidays. Everyone had time, okay? So if I have to ask today, who's got time to spend with God? Everyone's going to be like, no, we're busy. <laughs> Am I right? I, 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 it happens to me, okay? So I, but... A complacency stopped the people in Haggai to experience what the, what the Lord had for them. And that was to build his house, his temple. And the second thing that stopped them from doing what God intended for them to do was that they were trying too hard to look like the place of exile, Babylon, with their houses. They had the panel houses. They were trying so hard to look and fit in. So the people wanted to look like the world. And that's the message of Haggai. The message of Haggai was a message that the people had to repent and come back to the Lord. So what does this mean and what does this mean for us and how does this apply? So let's look at what they had to build, the temple. What was the temple used for? Who wants to give me an answer? Worship, that's a good one, yeah? What else? What else was the temple used for in the Old Testament? Sacrifice, I can see there's a scholar here. What else? What else was the temple used for? Teaching, what else? Eating, yeah. Meeting and eating, yeah, both of them. (laughs) What else? God's glory. So if I have to sum up the temple in two things for us for today, 
that I believe God wants to highlight for us is the first one, God's temple was his dwelling place. If you wanted to experience the glory of God, the weight of God, to worship God, and to have that, that intimate moments of God, you had to be at the temple. Still today, some of the Jewish communities would stand against the wall because they believe that God is in that temple. It was God's dwelling place. The second thing is, that is where forgiveness was found. They went once a year for, for their sin offerings, their sacrifices, and they had festivals there, and they found forgiveness at the temple. Meanwhile, it was, it was God that gave the forgiveness. The temple was just a building. If you want to go one on. But I believe that if we read 1 Corinthians 3 verse 16, we see that there's a new temple. We are now called to be the temple. And in Matthew 21 verse 12 to 17, it speaks of Jesus cleansing the temple. And right now as we sit here, I quickly want us all to close our eyes. Jesus got upset because when he entered his father's house, it didn't represent his father's house. And for us, if we read 1 Corinthians 3 verse 16, it speaks of that we are now God's temple. And that as we are God's temple, we are supposed to be carriers of, of his presence and of his glory. And as if you, if you think about your week, about today, if Jesus had to come into your heart and clear out your heart, would there be something of the world? Would he need to cleanse your heart again? The Bible Project states this quite well, and I, I like this. The temple, us as the temple now, are communities of people where God can rest and where God rules. Your heart right now, is it a place where God rules? You can open your eyes. I love this quote. The life and death of Jesus made it possible not only for us to enter into God's presence, but for his presence to enter into us. When I think about building God's house, I think about how do we build his house the way it was meant to be. And I've got a little verse that I'm going to read to us a bit later. But I'm going to quickly tell a, a story about what happened with us recently. <laughs> don't worry about that bottle. It's, it's okay. Don't worry about it. So the bottle just needs to, to, to cool off a little bit. Uh, so what happened was myself and Jess obviously got a baby. First time parents. Great. Uh, we are super uh, don't know what we're doing. But we, we just got uh, Lilia. We came home. At, I think it was our third night. We dressed her in, in a fleece onesie. It was cute. It's a white onesie. It looks like a little sheep. And she looked like a little cloud because she's drowning in it. We dressed her in the onesie. Then we had a fleece blanket that we wrapped her in. And it was a cold day. Okay? It was raining. So we, we tried to make sure our baby would be fine. She would be warm enough. And I had a, like this thick jacket on and I had a head on my chest and I was holding her to try and get her to sleep. And I'm like, yo, this burns. It's like, yo, it's hot. Okay? 
And instantly, what is the first thing a new parent thinks of? It's fever. So I went to go fetch the thermometer, and I, uh, the, uh, sorry, I can't pronounce the word, but I put it in there, and I tested it, and it was perfect. The temperature was perfect. I'm like, awkward. Um, now I look silly. So I tried to see what's happening, and I Googled, how do I know my baby has a fever? Okay? Google didn't help. Okay? I'm not going to lie. So Jessica woke up, and I'm, I look at her, I'm like, our baby's hot, okay? Like, she's hot. She's warm. I don't know what's happening. And Jess, if you know my wife, she knows she goes from, from calm and collected to panic stations 25 instantly, okay? And she's like, she's got a fever. And obviously, emotions and everything is still high. So Jess is like, she's got a fever. No. And I'm like, no, she doesn't. I test her. Okay, we went to go fetch another one. So we've got two of those thermostat thingies, and we put it in, and we test her, and phenometers. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Brent. <laughs> and we, we put it in, and, it's still, and it still reads fine. And I'm standing there, I'm like, but she's hot. <laughs> like, what's happening? And uh, we went to Uncle Google it one last time. And Uncle Google told me something that I never knew can happen with babies. So apparently my baby works like a car. She can overheat. Um, so my baby was overheating. And one of the beautiful things about an overheating baby is that you can feel it instantly. You can feel it instantly. It's hot to the touch. I didn't know that. I was clueless in that moment. But what stood out for me in that moment was that actually there's something. There's something spiritual in that. And the spiritual picture that I saw for us, and, I, and, and our very first week back, Kevin spoke about a, a red-hot, passionate people for Jesus. And what I felt in that moment was like, am I on fire for God? It's my baby is hard to touch. When people meet with me, when people speak with me, when people get the opportunity to have a conversation with me, do I leave them with a sense of like, he's different because the Lord is with him? Are we hot to the touch for people of the world? And if we're building God's house, God's way, we would be hot to the touch for the people of the world. The reason Jesus cleansed the temple, because there's no place for the world in Jesus' temple. In our hearts, is there a place for the world? Luca, if you want to go to the next scripture, it would be great, or next uh, slide, that would be great. So, it's fine. Nobody's going to drink it. It's, it's okay. So, I knew there's going to be some uh, kids with us in, in the service today. So, I tried to incorporate something of uh, an illustration. So, I had to go to Kum Books to go buy this. And it says, I'll need you is Jesus. Okay. Um, so, all we need is Jesus. And... Uh, one of the things that, that we see, how do we build with God, is to see who's the master builder. When we look at, at Ephesians 2, verse 19 to 22, it says Christ is the cornerstone. Not just the cornerstone, he's the architect. Not just the architect, the master builder. I don't know much about building, but if I, if I understand it correctly, if you don't have the foreman, and you don't trust the foreman, and you don't listen to the foreman, you don't build well. The same for us. In Him, we are being built together as a dwelling place for God. Now, when our life represents something of, of the world, 
We will look and represent something of the purple. But I read Jesus is living water. I read that it, as, we, as we spend time with him, he fills us. And uh, I read that as I am intimate with him, he has the power and the ability to transform us. To build God's house God's way is to find God. For those who can't see it, they're at the back. If we don't do it God's way, if we do it God's way. He transforms us. He renews us. He refills us. And he gives us living water so we can give it to other people. One of the most important things when building God's house is first and foremost, finding God. When I think about my life, am I first and foremost finding God? When I think about my, my day when it starts, am I first and foremost starting it with God? Andrew shared last year about seeking God first. And in it, he shared this. He said that a Christian is not effective if they don't find God. If they don't seek Jesus, they're not effective. You, you cannot carry fruits of the Spirit if you're not intimate with the Lord. So they started to rebuild their house when they repented. They started to see, this is the people of Haggai, to find the perfect way to build the house is to hear the voice of God. If you want to go to the last thing, please. And that's where I'm going to land today. I believe God is calling us to be a people that's intimate with Him. I believe God is calling us to be a people that is branched into Him, seeking His glory, seeking His purposes, seeking His way above our own. And if we want to build a house that represents the house of the Lord, we will build with him. He is the master builder. And then, secondly, I believe God is calling us to be a people that is obedient to him. If the builder calls us to change, to change. If the builder tells us to, to fix, we'll fix. If he tells us, fix your eyes upon me to do that. So right now, maybe we Maybe we bow our heads quickly. God, we can't belong to a group of builders. We can't contribute to the building of the building if we don't abide in you. The greatest commandment is love your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. If we want to build this house your way, Lord, I pray that we will love you. I pray that we will love you. A love and a devotion that's full of living water 
that is not just for us, but for the people around us, that they will not just see a lukewarm Christian, but that they will see a Christian that when they encounter them, they would know they know you. God, let us not be satisfied with once a week being intimate with you. Let us not be satisfied with anything less than just your heart. Amen. Just before we're going to pray, and I, I want to pray for, want us to pray for one another, but just before we, we do that, one of the questions I always ask the youth is like, uh, how does your quiet time look? And uh, we, we get a very of answers, and one of the default answers is, it's good, but I just don't have enough time with God. Who's ever given that answer? You can raise your hand. Like, we're honest people. I, I, my quiet time with God is good, but it's just, it just feels like I don't have enough time. Or you t set out an hour a day for the Lord. Yet in that hour, nothing happens. And I, I love what Andrew shared with his, his message, Seeking God First. And he shared this, that seeking God shouldn't be a duty. It should be to find the heart of Jesus. And as boulders, because we are his workmanship, God's called us for good works. That's what um, Ephesians tells us. And as he calls us for good works, we need to find his heart for that work. So my encouragement to us is, don't go this week and go spend like five hours doing Bible study. When you go, and you spend time with the Lord, and you want to be intimate with him, just go to find his heart. Because as we find his heart, we are united. As we find his heart, as we find him, because that's what intimacy is in. Into him I see. That's what intimacy is all about. As we find him, he builds us together. He unites us. And he brings the house together that he wants to build. So that's my encouragement to us. So I want to ask this question because we, I feel it's burning in my heart and we did it with the youth as well and we saw great fruit from it. If you're sitting here today and you feel like, yo, I'm not seeing into him. I'm not spending time with him. My cup is not, not overflowing with living water. On the contrary, I've got purple all over. I'm not pink on fire with God. I'm, I'm purple on fire. If you feel like you are empty because there's nothing that you're getting from Him and you're not making time for Him, I want to ask, why don't we, we pray for you? Because one of the first things God addressed at the leaders camp was this thing of like, are you finding me? And as the leaders had to answer that question, God is bringing that same question to all of us. Are you finding me? That's a question I had to answer four weeks ago. And the moment I saw, like, yo, my quiet time was not for God, it was for me. I actually had to repent. I still remember the three-minute voice note to Kevin being like, yo, I'm so sorry. My quiet time was all about what God is not doing for me and what God must say to me. And doors open up. And the moment I realized my quiet time is for Him, to find His heart, to hear His voice, to understand His purpose, there was so much life and freedom that came from it. So if that's you sitting here today and you feel like, yo, my quiet time is not 
not a time where I'm finding the Lord. Why don't you stand up with us so that we can pray for you? So a house that's overflowing is a house that helps others to build well. Yeah. yeah, God, right now, I thank you for for open hearts, for honest hearts, Lord. We thank you that as we see in the book of Haggai, when they repented and they turned, we see the finished and complete work in the book of Ezra when the temple was built. So, Father, I thank you that right now, as these men and women stood up, I pray right now that they would repent and that they will be filled. Because as we come to you, Lord, you are good. You are faithful. You are gracious. You are loving. So, Father, we, we thank you. We thank you for open hearts. I pray for living water, living water to, to, to flow into them. And that this week, Lord, as they seek you, they will find your heart. Because they seek you with all of theirs. And then we come together, Lord, and we build your house. I pray for each and every one of us, Lord, that we will not neglect or become complacent in the role we have. But Lord, that we will find your heart for your church, your bride, and your people. And that each one of us would step into that of as we find you, we build your house. As we find you, Lord, we will love one another the way you have called us to love. I pray for us that this week would be a week where we overflow with your presence and your glory. That testimonies would come of your presence with us. Amen. If all of us can please stand. I love the story of Andrew Murray um, where he, he was walking down the street in Wellington and uh, for a moment he lost, he lost sight of the presence of the Lord and he stopped and he waited on God. And the people around him didn't understand it because they didn't understand what it meant to be in the Lord's presence all the time. And I think for us there's a call today that as we leave this place, let us take the Lord's presence with us. And as we encounter 